Hello, and welcome to Farscape Friday, episode 50. Today we'll be talking about episode 6 of season 3, Eat Me. I'm Kay, here with my co-host Taz. Hello. Let's get started. Welcome back. Here's a quick summary of Eat Me. The Farscape crew relives the hills have eyes. And Jewel is the only smart one in this whole episode. Okay. Actually, the crew's in a broken down car and they come up to a creepy house and it turns out that there's cannibals. But Jewel is still the smartest one. (laughs) I love that because that is pretty much how I felt throughout this entire episode. So I'm so glad I knew how this one turned out before watching it again. And I think this is the only second time I've seen it in my entire life. So this app is Farscape Does Horror, and it is creepy and gross and creepy, and did I mention gross? And yeah, I'm about as useful as Jewel in this whole horror situation, because she's the one who's like, loud noises, let's retreat, instead of walking towards them like every other one of the fools on Boya's crew. (laughs) Jewel's like, creepy door opening? No, thank you. I'm going to go back to the ship and sit there with a gun. And I'm like, you are smart, Jewel. I agree with your life choices. <laughs> so let's set this up. So so we start out, and it's a cold open. We don't know what happened. But Dargo and John and Shiana and Jewel are on a transport pod that's falling apart beneath them. They're all losing oxygen. Their navigation's messed up. Everything's going to hell in a handbasket. And what do they stumble across but another Leviathan? And this one has a control collar on it. So Dargo's like, it's a peacekeeper transport ship. We should avoid it. John's like, we ain't got no choice because there's no more oxygen. Surprise! So they land on the creepy-ass Leviathan, and they see it's run down, and they're like, okay, let's just go in and get parts. They need K3 wire and some coils, and they're just going to go raid the Leviathan. And that's kind of the setup for this whole thing. That mm-hmm. just gets creepier from there. Yeah. Yeah, apparently Jewel wrecked the pod somehow, and... We're not. Really- it's probably her hair. Probably her hair. <laughs> well, apparently she grabbed the controls and then did something, and it's kind of interesting because this episode really is the kind of the horror trope of like the car breaks down and you're you know and you come up on this creepy house and at first it's kind of you know you think it's abandoned but it's not you know there's zombies yeah. or vampires or you know in this case cannibals but yeah yeah. So (laughs) they get out of the ship and they must have had a lot of fun decorating the set for this one because Mm -hmm. everything is like dripping and there's like this fungal growths on like every surface and it's very clearly a Leviathan, but it's also very clearly like a horror show. Yeah, you know, whenever they go on to different Leviathans like this, I always think, poor Moya, she had to get have mad makeup on her <laughs> because she's such a character in my mind that I'm like, oh, it's a Leviathan being played by Moya, which it is in terms of the set, <laughs> but at the same time, it's just like, and the same thing with Pilot too, right? Oh my gosh. that's Pilot. That's Pilot's body. They've just dressed him up as a different Pilot. So I always feel like our, our poor our poor ship and Pilot are having to play these other people during episodes like this. Yes. <laughs> so 
they get off the ship and like someone jumps on Dargo and they immediately like shoot him off and then he's dead and they're kind of like, oh, okay, well, that's creepy. Um, yeah. And they realize that there aren't any peacekeepers on board. And then somebody like opens the door from the bay to like the mm-hmm. rest of the ship and they're like, okay, I guess we'll go through it. <laughs> that's Well, that's where the parts are too. I mean, they really kind of are stuck. They have to re- repair the, the transport pod. Yeah. So John is all, okay, parts are that way. And Dargo's like, this is a peacekeeper transport ship. This is a bad idea. But he goes along <laughs> with it. And then Shiana's like, okay, I'm coming with you. John is like, you have to stay with the ship because it's our only way off of this like of this leviathan. <laughs> yeah, and and Shiana so doesn't want to and she tells him that she might kill Jewel and he's like whatever, you just still got to stay with the ship. <laughs> <laughs> I just love John and Shiana because you get a little bit back of that. He calls her Pip, you know, that's mm-hmm. a little bit of big brother, little sister banter going on right there. Dargo and John head into the ship and of course the door immediately closes behind them and doesn't open again and they don't mm-hmm. have control of it. And Shiana and Jewel are left behind with a transport pod. And in terms of set, I want to like, I think it's so funny because, you know, we're supposed to obviously see these doors as like really solid, but I couldn't help but thinking about Star Trek where like... Mm-hmm. They used to actually have to have people that would like open and close like their, you know, their open and closing doors. And it's so funny to me because like there's like this one clear scene where like the door like pans open and then it pans closed. And you can kind of tell that there's somebody behind there like panning it open (laughs) and closed because then John like comes up and he like he like rams or John or Dargo, but he like rams their shoulder against the door and it kind of moves. And I was laughing really hard. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) Anyway, but that's that's just like a side point. So they're like wandering through the ship and they at first don't see anybody. So the, yeah, so Dargo and John are wandering through the ship and they're in one of the access corridors now. Oh, oh man, that's pus. The ship is oozing pus, man. Yeah, this whole ship is diseased. Jeez, oh, no DRDs. What's that about? It's like she got hit by some kind of biochemical weapon. Narium coils, tier seven. Huh. We gotta find the pilot. Crichton, we get what we need and we get out. What we need is the guy who controls the maintenance bay doors, the hangars, the whole damn ship, in fact. This is meant to be a hit-and-run mission so we get the parts that we need. Now, what if we're dying? What if we've been exposed to some radiation or some virus is gonna mutate us in the night of the living dead? Then the sooner we get out of here, the better. If you want to go all the way to Pakistan, hey, you, know you are Hey, you don't know what we're dealing this with here. This is a peacekeeper prison ship. That's all you need to know. I'm going to go find the pilot. You get the junk. I can't tell what Dargo is more creeped out by there. The fact that it's a Leviathan that still has control collar on, which means it's still under PK control. Or the fact that it's a prison ship. Do you know what I mean? Because I think that Mm kind of gets at how the rest of Moya's crew, they're like, yeah, we were prisoners. But hey, we're not bad people. We're not prisoners. You know? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I feel like for Dargo, it doesn't matter. Like, the prison ship aspect definitely gives him flashbacks to his time as a prisoner. And also, he hates the peacekeepers as an organization. And also, you know, they're being hunted by the peacekeepers. Like, Scorpius is after them. So Mm -hmm. if they are, they're in trouble anyway, because presumably they would have seen the beacons and whatnot and try to capture them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is when they split up. Yeah. And actually, one point really quick. This is... This is John and Dargo arguing. I feel like this is like the first time we've seen them seriously argue since... Liars, guns, and money. 
Liars, Guns, and Money was their last big fight. But this is kind of like the petty arguing. Mm. Like, spoilers, this kind of becomes a theme for the two of them later on in the season. <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's just like them picking on each other, but they're not really like, they're they're mad, but they're not like angry at each other like they were in Liars, Guns, and Money. It's a different tone to the arguing. Yeah. I would argue. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. That it's like, this is more like ba- bickering and bantering than it is like actual yeah. fighting I although mean, a, a little a little bit more than bickering but but not the same kind Dar- dargo doesn't have the same kind of anger he had with john it's mm-hmm. you know disagreement manifesting itself as these, these just arguments yeah i mean i will argue that, that this is when they make the horror movie mistake of splitting up which oh totally this this <sighs> follows like classic horror movie lines like you can map it out yeah you can definitely map it out which i think is something they're playing with and actually i mean just this whole episode it really reminded me of the beginning of pk tech girl mm-hmm. you know where they're getting on this ship and if pk tech girl really made callbacks to alien then i think that this also is very similar in just making callbacks to like every horror movie ever, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And it's, I mean, and it's good. It's really efficient. You know, essentially it is like a two hour horror movie in 45 minutes, you Mm -hmm. know, but creepy, creepy. So they split up, which I'm like, ugh. even if you guys are fighting, you should have just agreed (laughs) on some, like agreed to do something. Like, let's go find the stuff and then go find the pilot or whatever. But so they split up. And Chiana has to leave the ship because something else fell off of it. The mm-hmm. gyro something that I assume. Ex- one of the external gyros. Yeah. The gyros tells you your orientation in space. So she's like, <laughs> she has to go. And then she and Jewel just have like the best conversation. <laughs> because Jewel does not want to be left behind. Because Jewel is not an idiot. Jewel has seen horror movies before. <laughs> Well, you can't leave me. The comms are down. There's a there's a pulse rifle in the transport pod. How do I open this door? You know, we don't have weapons on our planet. We don't have violence. We don't have war. <laughs> what the frell? she did there was jewel's like we don't have violence and chiana like hits her like twice and then jewel finally gets around to like hitting chiana but it hurts so much that then she's like whining about her hand it's hilarious (laughs) and see this is why i love jewel she just adds this new dynamic to all the interactions with the crew and this you know they have become such a well-oiled machine that here she is the wrench in the works being the whiny baby, basically. Mm-hmm. Though I definitely agree. Smart is one of the bunch in this episode. And it's just a fun dynamic that she has because it's definitely the comic relief that this episode needs. Mm-hmm. Which every time you go back to Jewel and you have this scene with Chiana, you have later when she hears noises and she's just like freaking out. And she's like, okay, let's go back this way. <laughs> I know and you can see like and then that later scene she's like trying to talk herself into like going into the ship and she's like your mom and dad said you could do anything but you know you didn't really believe them at the time but you should you should believe them and it's like so hilarious really great pep talk yes because it's like on the one hand it's like clearly she's the smartest one here she doesn't leave the ship she doesn't do anything stupid like wander around by herself but then on Mm -hmm. the other hand there's like that element where you're like most situations are not a horror movie 
So most yeah. of the time when you're feeling that like primal fear of like, oh my God, am I alone in my house or is there somebody else here? You're like, no, no, no. You're just, and you can tell that that's what she's trying to talk herself into. It's like, mm-hmm. this is not actually as creepy as it seems. <laughs> right. Except it is as creepy as it seems. As we learn with John's arrival at the pilot's den, there are all these people around him and they're pulling and poking at him and you can't quite see what they're doing. And John gets there and the pilot is nonverbal until John shoes the rest of the way. And the pilot says, stop, help me, kill me. I want to die. And it's just like, oh, my God, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. And so I actually have the clip next where he learns what is going on, at least partially. Please kill me. Look, your arms are going to regenerate. Grogan Carter. Grogan? Who the hell is Grogan? Grogan. Grogan Carter. Grogan Carter. They cut your arms. And when they grow back, they hack them off again. Why the hell would they do that? Because, because, because they're eating me! Uh, They're Mm. eating pilots, or this pilot. And I gotta say, remember way back in DNA Mad Scientist when our crew cut off our pilot's arm, Mm -hmm. and the way that the writers of the show dealt with that development was oh, pilot's arms can regenerate. And it was kind of an on-the-spot decision to make pilot's arms regenerate. And here, two seasons later, you have the natural consequence of that is, okay, you have a pilot whose arms regenerate and people who are cannibals and eating everything in sight, including the pilot. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they're going to keep chopping off his arms and eating him over and over and over again. And I kind of like that little, what was kind of a throwaway way to deal with the writing a corner they'd written themselves into kind of having this natural extension two Mm -hmm. seasons later yeah well and also it's like so creepy you talked about essentially this being our pilot i was like oh man they must have had to build like a whole different torso for him because he has one big arm left and the rest are Mm -hmm. all just torn off and you can see like the raw flesh underneath and then he has like one little tiny arm that's like just barely growing and that for some reason is the creepiest part of this whole thing for me yeah was like the one tiny little tiny like fragile arm that you knew they were gonna pull off soon and eat and it was like ugh, yeah so gross yeah and sad too i mean this poor pilot he's stuck there there's nowhere he can run and that's part of the the horror of it is you know he's trapped and he knows he's trapped and he is so traumatized and nonverbal because he's traumatized because they're literally eating him while he is still alive mm-hmm. yeah and like that's part of it is that he's essentially he really is nonverbal here like he's reverted back to like just this base instinct and you know he's so desperate to die versus to continue being continuously eaten Mm -hmm. Ugh, so gross so chiana who like we said has gone looking for this external gyro she finds the hill have eyes people but chiana going back to um the budong episode home on the remains she's not like a natural killer like she will kill in situations that she has to but it's not her go-to instinct it's not her fallback position so she like she sees them and she keeps threatening them with the gun and she's like i'm gonna kill you i'm gonna kill you and they actually get close enough to her to like gut her a little bit and so she's like bleeding from her torso and ugh. 
Yeah, and it's not until like they're jumping at her and on her that she finally starts shooting at them. That's a really good observation because I hadn't made that connection to her and and her reluctance to kill people like in cold blood like that. Yeah. We talk so much about Gianna and like how her she manipulates Mm -hmm. and usually through her sexuality. But I just think that she as a character is that's not her fallback position. And I wouldn't say that it's like anybody's fallback position. But I kind of think that at the point where Aaron would never would have let anybody get close enough to stab her. Do you know what I mean? Right. Right. Or Dargo or John, for that matter, at this point. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the three of them are much more of the shoot first. And we might ask about it later if we care enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So now Chiana's injured and she's killed a whole bunch of people and she's screaming for John and Dargo. And I think Dargo, Dargo finds her, but then he gets like captured and. Well, he hears her, I think. Oh, yeah. So Dargo hears her calling out, but he runs into our mastermind of villain whose name was. Carvok. Carvok. I'm just going to go ahead and name him whose name is Carvok. And he gets shot with this thing that sends this like white ball of ball of something around Dargo. And then Dargo is like disappeared. And we cut away at that point. So Dargo has been uh, been attacked by the villain. Chiana is still on her own and John is still on his own. They're all three separated. But then John and Chiana find each other, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And they follow, they end up on the trail, and then they see Dargo's body being dragged away by Carvok and some of the other cannibals that are like the mindless zombie-like cannibals. And so Dargo's dead. Mm-hmm. He's like, that's his body. And Carvok shoves this like spike thing into his, his brain and then eats it, and it's just gross. Or it, not eats it, but puts it into his own brain because that's how he takes things. Mm-hmm. And Chiana is devastated by seeing Dargo. I mean, John is upset too, but you can really see that Chiana cares so much for Dargo still, even though they've broken up. Mm-hmm. That you know, she she wants to go attack, and John has to hold her back and everything. So they're dragging Dargo's body, and you aren't really sure where they're dragging it. They're just trying to drag it to safety at this point right. because they know that first of all, Dargo is heavy. You know, and so it's it's slowing them down. And they actually see like the Hills Have Eyes people eating the ship. Mm-hmm. And it's super creepy because like they're just like literally just like cutting into the skin and then eating what's underneath. And Chiana's yeah. like, they're eating the ship. And Dar- and John's like, yeah, I mean, it's technically. The, there's biomechanoid, there's bio parts in that. Yeah. And, the, and Chiana saw them eating one of their own that she shot earlier, too. So they're, mm-hmm. they're trying to keep Dargo from getting eaten. And. I have a little bit of a clip that just shows how John is reacting to this. We have, we have to give him the death rites. Yeah. We have to give him... I'm sure there's a, a bunch of Oricans around here. Damn it, we should have stuck together. I wanted us to stick together, but he... We... No, no, no. Both of us, we were too no, damn stubborn. It's no, you're fault. Gina Dargo is dead. Oh. Jules, God knows where. And we have been here before. No, we haven't. So... John is upset and angry at himself for splitting up. So good job for recognizing that, John, that you should not have split up in the first place. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's, uh, I like John blaming himself here, though, because it feels very in character and it feels very, it feels very true to who they are. Like in this Mm -hmm. episode where they've very quickly been pushed past 
civilized and into, you know, horror movie territory, it, it feels very John to be kind of like, oh, we were both too stubborn, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he changes his, his language from I to we and or from we to I. And the way that his grief is manifesting is through anger. And you see that much later when he ends up going back to Pilot's Den to try and figure out what's going on and not only that but what they can do about it and Mm -hmm. his southern accent gets a lot thicker too which i found interesting well i think that usually happens when he's highly emotional right yeah yeah i think so so they end up dragging dargo to pilot's den and john really wants an explanation and shiana really wants to give dargo the last rites so let's let's listen what's a pk prison convoy doing way out here in the uncharted territories Peacekeeper convoy, ambush convoy, Scarens ambushed, we drifting, uh, not to starburst, not to go, nowhere to go, no one helps, we starve. What's the big fuss? Why the red carpet treatment? His power. And the others? The other prisoners, what's their deal? There were no other prisoners. Gianna? Gianna. They'll never get to him now. Never, ever. And the whoosh that you hear at the end is Chiana setting an incineration powder on top of Dargo's body and burning it mm-hmm. so that he can't be eaten. And I don't know what kind of rites she says over it, but it, it feels like a Nabari move that she does with her hands above her head mm-hmm. as opposed to a Luxon one. But yeah, so we find out a little bit more about what's going on. And part of the conversation that I, I didn't clip because it was way too long was that they're on a uh, prison transport, like they thought, but it's a prison transport for the criminally insane. Mm-hmm. And as we learn right here, there's only one prisoner who has since taken over the ship, and that's Carvac. Mm-hmm. And all those people that we're seeing are like what's remains of the peacekeepers, presumably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is kind of when you get that big reveal and that it actually makes it even more creepy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That it's just one guy and that he's literally turned this entire contingent of peacekeepers into whatever they are now. And I don't know, you have to feel for Chiana here because even though she and Dargo have broken up for good reason, they still have a complicated relationship. They still have a relationship where they deeply, deeply care for each other. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So she's really torn up about it. Yeah, she's real torn up about it. And... Carvac chooses that moment to suck John and Chiana out into the hallway. And he's like, don't talk about me behind my back, knocks John out. And then as far as John knows, he takes Chiana. But Mm -hmm. Chiana sees what he actually does, which is that he puts that white goo over her and she splits. Into two Chianas. And they look at each other and then they do a double take and then they scream because, of course, you would scream when you see your exact double right next to you. And this is the one of the most heartbreaking parts of the episode. And I think part of the emotional heart of it for me is Carvac immediately grabs one of the Chianas and the other Chiana gets away. 
and starts to run and then starts to come back when she realizes that the first Chiana is going to get killed to try mm-hmm. and rescue her. But then it's too late and she has to run away and leave her to die. And it messes Chi up because, you know, the next several scenes we see of her throughout the ship where she's like freaking out, like serious freak out about not only being doubled, but I think also about abandoning herself Mm -hmm. essentially to Karvak and whatever he does to dead bodies, which is what happens to her, that first Chiana. Yeah. So that's, that's the secret is all these people are doubled. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I really do want to give a shout out to Gigi Edgley here because, like, the acting is really, really good. It's really strong, Chiana. You can tell that she's so much trying to talk herself into making it okay by saying, like, well, I'm clearly the original. Like, Mm -hmm. it's okay. It was just a copy, just a clone. I'm the original. It was fine. But you can tell that it's not working. Yeah. And and the way she's saying it, she's like, two Chianas. And just her voice with it, it's is I've kind of wish we'd pull that this clip now but she is just so clearly freaking out about this whole situation even as she continues the mission of getting the parts that they need for the transport pod. Mhm. Yeah. So John wakes up, he thinks that they have Chiana and he decides he's going to go a little bit nuts and as John does. As John does. <laughs> so he decides that I I would guess that pilot's nutrients are still being supplied by the Leviathan but Carvac has cut all of his controls. So the pilot yes. no longer has any control over the ship, which at this point, the ship is essentially dead. It's on, he calls it like on tertiary life support, which yeah, means that it's like, a vegetable. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah, not conscious, not alive. And so John is like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to like put back all your controls and then you're going to starburst. And the guy's like, okay. That's sure. not going to work. Yeah, it's not going to work, <laughs> but whatever. He's like, I think he just is so ready for death. And so. Yeah. Well, but that's kind of the point, though, right? Cause, because the Leviathan is so weak and not conscious that Starburst wouldn't take them anywhere. It would essentially use up all the energy and kill them. Mm-hmm. It's like a self destruct that John is setting into motion because he thinks Dargo's dead. He thinks Chiana's dead. And he's going to go out taking this guy with him. Yeah. That's his choice. Yeah. And we find out a minute later that now that we know that Chiana was doubled, that Dargo was doubled. And there is a version of Dargo who is still alive and now chained up in a cell. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> the first time he talked with Carvac, the Carvac, he asked, like, why is he still alive? And Carvac's like, we're going to make babies. <laughs> and it's one of his funnier lines. But then we actually get a little bit more about what Carvac wants and is. And so I'm going to play that conversation between him and Dargo that happens a little bit later. I can help you get off the ship. Why should I want to do that? Because the ship is dying. It's running to pieces all around you. This is my home. All I need is more, what, food? Family? Is there a difference? Dago, you know how painful it is. I'm willing to spare you the pain of a whole half cycle as long as you breed for me. Breed? With what? And Karvak brings in one of the peacekeepers who's been doubled 30 or 40 times. And because of that doubling, it's like clone decay, like you see in a lot of uh, things, like a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy degrades over time. Mm-hmm. So that's what's happening. What's happening? 
what has happened with all the peacekeepers aboard. They have been doubled so many times that they are these mindless animal type people. Mm-hmm. And he he's never explained why he wants Dargo to, to breed or to have sex with this peacekeeper former peacekeeper copy of a peacekeeper i have a feeling it's because they he wants new copies because any babies wouldn't be copies of copies of copies they would be new and you kind of get the feeling that if he's eating their brains because it's not like i mean maybe he does eat their flesh also but he's essentially eating their brains so i imagine it has something to do with that it's not just not good anymore do you know yeah. what I mean? Okay. Yeah. I like that explanation a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And so Dargo is obviously chained up and can't really do much about this situation. So you, you could hear in Carvok's voice in that clip, like he's together. He's the one who seems like the, the I guess he's like Hannibal Lecter, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's together. He's, he's articulate. He, he seems like the sanest person while being the most insane of all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And I love that. Food, friends, family, food. What's the difference? Kind of. Yeah. Like, okay. Okay, creeper. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So very, very classic villain. I don't know. He he could be worse. He could be better. He seems very run of the mill, but he didn't ping me as being anything terrible. You yeah, know? he's nothing real no, like, special. Yeah. So. Serves his purpose, though. <laughs> so then John is doing his thing with Pilot and Chiana comes upon Dargo who is now yep. being, uh, I'm going to put this out there. Like, I, I, it was played for laughs, and I kind of was, like, laughing. But at the same time, like, essentially this creature is, like, sexually assaulting Dargo. Totally. Just, like, yeah, he cannot resist. He wants Gianna to get him out. Gianna's the one making jokes, which, I don't know, I, I felt it was in poor taste, too. But at the same time, it is Gianna, so it's in character. You know, it's just one of those. Yeah. Yeah. So the two of them get out and Shana's like, let's go back to the ship. We have everything we need now. And Dargo's like, well, where's John? And she's like, uh, around. And, he's <laughs> like... and so Dargo runs off to save John and Chiana goes back to fix the ship so that then they can leave as soon as everybody is back on board. Because she has since collected all the parts that they need in order to fix it. Mm-hmm. And so she comes back to the transport pod where Jewel is sitting inside with the pulse rifle against her forehead, trying to talk herself into suicide. And it's kind of funny and sad at the same time. You know, <laughs> funny in that Jewel is kind of incompetent at killing herself. And sad because she feels like she needs to commit suicide to survive this, which... Mm-hmm. To be fair to Jewel, I mean, yeah, when your better. options are getting eating eaten alive or suicide, I might take the suicide too. Oh yeah, for certain. Like I said, Jewel is the smartest one in this whole episode, <laughs> which is so funny. Like I feel like this episode has made me like her more, and I'm like, I'm like, good, this will not be painful. But so, yeah. um, so Chiana and Jewel fix the ship, or I mean, actually, Chiana fixes the ship, and Jewel's kind of there <laughs> and john and john is having the showdown with korvac in pilot's chamber so mm-hmm. while he was he was fixing the neural connections down below for the pilot korv am i saying that right karvak karvak comes in and kills the pilot so now that is moot john is still doing the controls because he knows the sequences for starburst because of all their experience with their own ship moya and pilot and in this showdown, there's big speeches. John's southern accent is on full display as he says, like, okay, we're all going to die. You're going to die. I'm going to die. The ship's going to die. And they get into kind of a tussle. And then more of the cannibal peacekeepers come on inside. John 
gets away basically when Dargo shows up and he mm-hmm. sees Dargo is alive and Dargo offers a distraction. But then in getting away, Carvox duplicator thing duplicator thing goes off and zaps at john and we don't see the consequences of this until much later when john and dargo meet in the corridor they run back to the ship and then just as they're all about to close the doors another john runs through the doors and there's Mm -hmm. two of them and in john's defense the although the ride on the on the pod is awkward neither (laughs) one of them are quite yet at the point of like i'm the original do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, they're both silent and just staring at each other. So this is a question I had. Yeah. So we saw Chiana see herself right after the white thing happened. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the Johns saw themselves right afterwards? And did the one John who met Dargo first leave the other one like Chiana left her first self? No. Okay. Because I think that what it was was like when it was Chiana doubling, it was like super clearly like very organized and there was like a pause and they both looked at each other. I think that what happened was John probably came out of the bubble and then was just running. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Like that was because yeah. they knew they had to get like the ship was literally John had cracked the ship in half. So yeah, they had it was a, exploding. Yeah, they had like seconds to get back to the pod. So I have a feeling that he didn't even notice. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. My other thought on that is if he didn't notice, because it wasn't an intentional doubling, Mm -hmm. it was a accidental kind of it went off and he was caught in the in its net that maybe the other John fell to the side. I mean, they're in pilot's den. There's lots of places to to go. I mean, many of them are very deep, but you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, it didn't happen symmetrically. I do just have a hard time believing that that John, given that Chiana saw herself and unlike in my three Crichtons, where they like doubled and then it was like you're not me very clearly you're not me chiana's initial reaction upon seeing herself wasn't like oh well he's eating the clone it was i have to save myself do you know what i mean yeah so i think that as much as there is this like who's who i think that in that initial moment nobody was like i'm me so go ahead i don't care what happens to the other guy Right. You know. right. And also, I guess the other thing I like that goes with that is that the reaction upon seeing each other when he walks in, it does feel like they both are surprised. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't feel like, oh, darn, you're alive. Well, yeah. and I think that this gets at the difference between John and the smart John from My Three Crichtons. You know, God, I hate smart John. Oh, right. But but so my point <laughs> is that like smart John was like, I have to kill all the others so that I will be me. And John kind of comes to the point of like, we're all me and I would prefer to die rather than killing another one of myself. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they get back on the ship and I want to play a conversation that Dargo and Shiana have that kind of gets at a conversation that John will have with John in upcoming episodes. (laughs) It was over in a flash, no more than a 10th of a micron, but I saw it. I saw myself, another me. Do you remember the actual moment? No, I don't remember anything except it was a corpse. It was just a copy. A fake. I keep telling myself that, but then this Crichton and Karavak, he said they created two equal and original. <laughs> oh, yes. Karavak was full of it. Then how do you know that I am not the copy? Maybe the real doggo is dead. Because you just know. You know. 
Yeah, so you can hear Chiana still struggling with this concept. Mm-hmm. And I think Dargo doesn't have that same conflict because the other him was killed so quickly. Mm-hmm. As you said, this is a conversation John is going to have. But So it's all semantics, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's cloning. You have a copy of a person. And also they doubled their clothes, which I'm just going to put that out there. How do you do that? But <laughs> that's hand-wavy magic. Anyway, so you have a copy. Carbach keeps calling it twinning or doubling or equal and whatever. But we see with the peacekeepers that there's degradation over time. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm just like, does it really matter what you call it? Or is it calling it not cloning because cloning implies there's an original? Does that make it easier to say that they are both the same person? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, I think the other thing to get at then of the copy of the copy of the copy is that clearly if, if, there was an original, then he would have just kept copying the original for the same reason that like when you have a copy, you don't copy your Xerox copy. Mm-hmm. You know, you do try and copy the original because otherwise you end up with pages that are just illegible. So my yeah, feeling but usually is- you don't eat your, your original copy of paper. <laughs> okay. But so my point is that, you know, like with the twinning, it's really clear that once they split, they're both exactly the same. So... It makes me think that whatever degradation was happening was happening to both of them. Do you know what I mean? So maybe there wasn't an original at all anymore. It was just copies. Do you know what I mean? Like it would would be like if instead the copier just ate your copy and -hmm. left you with two new copies. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of... Yeah. Okay. So it's... You have the original, but the original is destroyed in the process. Yeah. Because otherwise, then then there wouldn't have been an, any degradation. He would have just kept the original peacekeepers, let's say, chained up mm-hmm. and kept making copies off of them. Do you see what I'm yeah, saying? Well, well, if he did that, then they definitely would have gotten eaten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were chained up like that. Anyway, yeah, okay, I, I like that. I like that explanation. Because that's one thing that's always bothered me about this episode and, and the consequences of it. Because there's this whole discussion that happens in fandom or happened in fandom when it, when it aired and stuff. And it's just like, just one the original. It doesn't matter if it's the original. Are they both the same? And it's the same thing the characters themselves are struggling with. And like, how do you reconcile that when you hear chiana struggling with it right Mm -hmm. here it's like she's trying to convince herself that she has to be the original because otherwise what is she Mm -hmm. you know and it's like this this sense of self that they're struggling with and i guess it's just the way that the show tries to work with it with the writing in terms of oh it's twinning instead of cloning and like all of that and it's just like but what is yeah what is the answer to that like, does it matter what you call it if it's something mm-hmm. else? I don't know. So, but I like that the the idea that the, there is no original anymore. Mm-hmm. Because they're coming out with the exact same life experiences, right? Their yeah. brain patterns are exactly alike, too. Yeah. Which actually, let's play, Um, this is probably one of the most memorable moments of this episode, which is that you come upon Rigel watching the two Crichtons playing rock, paper, scissors. And let's just listen to him and Aaron. How is he still tied? I doubt I twinned you. Equal and original. 
And that last bit is Carvok's explanation that he gave to Dargo being played again while you watch John do Rochambeau consistently coming up with the exact same thing at the exact same time. And so they're still tied. And that's what Rigel says. Mm-hmm. And so then that's this is going to be the launching point for a major plot of season three. Yep. Before we wrap up, let's hit back to what Aaron was doing during this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, she and Stark and Rigel have not really a mini adventure, but they starburst away in Moya to go to a distress call that was put out by Talon, who has been beaten to hell and back. He's in bad shape and they go aboard and they find Crace, who is unconscious. And that's kind of it. So yeah. something bad has happened to Talon and Crace. We don't know what that is yet. I think that plays out later on. We find out later on in the season, setting up that arc. Yeah. And so initially, Rigel wants to cut and run. And then Stark is like, Talon will recover. Crace may not. And I'm like, okay, Stark. (laughs) Dark Stark. Yeah. So, you know, Stark wants to kill Crace, which, you know, fair. Yeah, valid. Anyway, so that's the episode. It's it's rather straightforward, and it gets us to this point where we have two John Crichtons, two heroes mm-hmm. who are the same person of our show in season three. And I got to say, it's one of the most brilliant science fiction tropes that they run with in this show that is just oh, yeah. really sets Farscape apart. Mm-hmm. For certain. So what would you give this episode? I'd give it a three. It's not my favorite. It's definitely better than I remembered it being. Also, I think it helped that I knew what the outcome was because I wasn't freaked out the entire time because I don't deal well with horror. Like I said, I'm Jewel. I'm sitting in there with a gun and not moving from my transport (laughs) pod. (laughs) So I think it's solid. I think it sets up a really good arc. I think the character stuff is fine, but it doesn't, you know, it's it's nothing that really hits me very hard. Yeah, I I agree. I think that... This wasn't a favorite of mine when it first aired. And when I was rewatching it, I really wished that I could have watched it slower because when I watch, I kind of pause and then I take notes so that I'm not really missing things going on on screen. And so I, it took me like a really, it took me like an hour and a half to watch this episode. And I was like, I really wish I could have just watched this in 45 minutes. I think that it would have made <laughs> my life easier. Like it's a good episode. Like, don't get me wrong. It's a really solid, solid episode. It's not bad TV. I think that it's just, I don't care for I don't care for horror. I don't watch it <laughs> if I'm given the choice. <laughs> right. And I'm kind of the same way. So yeah, so a three. I'm trying to think. We haven't done Wardrobe Watch in a little while, but I think everyone is pretty much in their season three outfits yeah, now. I think um, so. Shiana has fully switched over to kind of her chevron-y outfit mm-hmm. that's shiny. The shiny with um, like the shoulder pad things. Yeah. Yeah. And then Erin is wearing her black tank top that's different from her season one tank tops. And she's got her hair slicked back and braided. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think what else. John is still wearing the PK vest that's uh, kind of maroon colored. Dargo is in his red outfit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. And the only other thing is Pilot. We see Pilot without his arms, which is creepy as F, I'm going to say. Creepy as frow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. All right. So next week we have Thanks for Sharing. If you like us, please rate us on iTunes so other people can find us. And we are Farscape Friday Podcast. We are at Gmail and at Tumblr and on DreamWith if you would like to get in touch. And we are Farscape Friday on Twitter. Yeah, hit us up. Let us know how much you like horror Farscape. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.